Hey, you're listening to City Lift Church's podcast. We hope today's message fuels you with courage for your journey. Here's today's message. How many of you remember the first time you felt pain? Come on, just show me your hand really quick. How many of you remember the first time you felt pain, right? Uh, how many of you remember your first breakup? Huh? How, how painful is that? My first relationship was in the sixth grade. It lasted three hours. Come on, somebody. Didn't even make it to the end of the day, but, but whatever. And, uh, but the first time I felt pain, I was in kindergarten, and uh, some first graders, isn't it interesting when you're little, like how a grade just feels so much older, right? Like now a year is like 34, 33, 35, it means nothing, right? But back in the day, first grade was like, yo, these guys are like superstars, remember that? And, and so, and like middle school, we're like, those are the old kids, you know? And, and you just, whatever. So these first graders were on the monkey bars, and they were going across the monkey bars, and they could do it. And, and then a first grader came up to me, and uh, he was like, you can't do the monkey bars, because I was in kindergarten. And I was like, yes, I can. Now, y'all, I was a chunky kindergartner, okay? Like, I could not do the monkey bars, but you know when you're in elementary school and somebody tells you, you can't do something, you're like, whatever, your mom, I can do that. You know, it's like, whatever it is. You're just like, I can do this, you know, like, I got this. And, and so, so I was like, yes, I can. And so I bravely get up on the little playground. You had to take the little, you don't know, you remember those rounded stairs, the, the bar stairs? And so climbing up these rounded stairs, and I get, get on, and, and, and I, I, I jump up. And, and from the first moment of jumping up and grabbing it, I realize as a kindergartner, this is a bad idea. Like, this, this may not go the way I want it to, but, but I thought, I've, I've got to show these guys what's up. And there was now three or four of them, right, like, jeering me on, like, I can't do it. I'm like, you guys are evil. You're in the first grade. Like, why are you so evil? And you, know, you know, kids are so savage, aren't they? Can we just agree? Kids are so savage. Like, anyway, it's, it's a great time. So, uh, so I'm, I'm like, all right, I got this. And I, I, I take a, 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 a bar and then another bar, and by the second bar, not only are my hands sweaty and my muscles are giving out, right? It's just, it's a bad thing. So I, I miss that second bar, and, and I slip, and I fall back, and I hit, my back hits the, the wooden, like, platform that I left off of, and then I land on uh, the, the ground. And, and back in the day, and I don't know why we did this in the 90s, but it wasn't like that cute, rubbery, fluffy stuff that we, kids play on now. It was like mulch. Did anybody play on mulch as a kid? And if you fell, you got impaled. Like it was not, it was not cute. Like I'm like, why, is, why are these sticks, you know? Like I got up and there was mulch dangling from my skin, right? And so I land on this mulch. My knees are cut. My elbows are cut. And, 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 like, and, and they're all laughing at me. And so like not only do I emotionally feel pain, I physically feel pain. I, I hit the back of the thing. I'm in pain. And, and, I, and to make it the worst time ever, it was the first time I cried out of pain. And so I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm cut, I'm, I'm hurt, and I'm like, and I start crying. And they laugh at me, which makes me only want to cry more, right? And, and listen, that was in kindergarten, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. Isn't it amazing how pain leaves a mark on the human soul? You know what, you probably couldn't remember most days of your, of your elementary experience, but you remember the days you got bullied, you remember the days somebody broke your heart, you remember the days that you fell on the playground and, and hurt yourself. Isn't that amazing how pain talks 
And it talks so loud and so strong, it leaves a mark on our soul. And so, man, that was the first time I felt pain in kindergarten. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to go to Ruth chapter 1. And I love the book of Ruth. It's it's such a beautiful book, such a powerful story. And I want to finish our series on rats today. And uh, what a great series this has been, first of all. I mean, man, our thinking, our emotions, like, man, it's just been great. I want to close it up today and talk about the rat of pain. The rat of pain. And, and how, you know, I can't stop pain from happening in your life. Pain is universal. It's, it's going to go to everybody. It's going to hit us all. But what can we do when we go through pain? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So Ruth chapter 1. I want to start reading in verse 1. And there's a few really challenging names to get through, so I'm going to ask for your grace and mercy before I even start reading this one. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So verse 1, like this is not a once upon a time, there were fairies and castles. Right out of the gate, verse 1, it's bad times. There's a famine in the land. The story begins in pain. It begins in, in turmoil, right? Like if I wrote Ruth today, I would say, hey, you know, they came into the job market uh, in 2008, 2009 when there was a recession. You know, it just starts out bad. Too much student loan debt, can't get a house. Come on, millennial problems, right? Like, like, so it's just, it starts out challenging. And it says, so a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and his two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. Everybody say Naomi. She's going to be kind of the central character for us today. And the name of the two sons were Machlon and Kilion. I did pretty good on that. The original Hebrew has got that, Ernie knows what I'm talking about. But it's such a hard one for me to do. And they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah, and they went to Moab, and they lived there. Verse 3, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one Orpah and the other Ruth. They had lived there about 10 more years, but both Mahlon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Well, have you ever been just left? She's just left without her two sons and her two husbands. The next few verses, she decides to go back to Israel. And her daughter, one daughter says, I'll stay here. And the other one, Ruth, says, no, I'm coming with you. You know, I'm going to follow you. Your God's going to be my God. Your country's going to be my country. I'm not going to leave you, right? And, and she really resists that, and she keeps trying to push her away and say, no, don't come. What have I got? You can't wait on another son. Just, just leave me, you know, which gives you such a picture of where Naomi was at. Isn't it interesting when you're in pain, it's so hard to get help from anybody, you know, it's funny about us and our generation. I can always tell when somebody's really in pain when they delete their Instagram account. You know, they don't post anymore. They just, they're in so much pain they can't even socialize. They don't know how to explain it. They don't know how to talk about it. Nobody understands. It's just, they're hurting. And right now, Naomi, she's hurting. She's been left alone. And you think about it from her perspective, like they're, they're immigrants, right? So the, there's a famine in the land. They have to leave the land. And can you imagine just all the hope you have to muster up believing that, man, next year is going to be better. Next harvest is going to be better. You know, we're gonna, we'll have prosperity. We'll, things are going to work out. And they get there, and then she loses her husband. Could you imagine what a blow that must have been? And then she probably gets to the point after years later where she finally comes to grips with that and settles it, 
and she's thinking next generation, new, new kids, I'll be a grandma, I can get excited about something, and both of her sons die at the same time, or right around the same time. Could you imagine that blow, that my life is, is just over? And so she decides to go back, and I want to pick up in verse 19. It says, so the two women went until they came to Bethlehem. So she decides to come back home. But watch this. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? And she says this in verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. A little, little bit of meaning in the names here. Naomi actually means, in the Hebrew, it means pleasant. It means pleasant. And Mara means bitter. She's saying, don't call me pleasant. Don't call my soul pleasant. Call me bitter. Isn't it interesting how pain, it, it talks and, and it really has, pain has the potential not to make us better, but oh so bitter. She comes back home. She says, don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Pain changed the way that she saw herself. It turned her self-image from pleasant to bitter. It changed the way she viewed God changed the way she viewed life, changed the way that she viewed community, right? It, it, it really left a mark on her soul. One of my favorite movies of all time is Rocky IV. And, and this generation, we're experiencing Creed, right? Which they've been great movies. Like, no, no hate on Creed at all. I thought they'd been great movies. And Creed II was about how, how he fought uh, Ivan Drago's son. Now, if, 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 if you're kind of new to this whole Rocky thing, you may not understand that that old man Rocky back in the day, you know, he's an OG now, but, like, he was, like, the man. And, and Rocky IV has got to be my favorite boxing movie of all time. It's just, it's amazing. Goes to Russia, works out in the barn, beats this impossible figure. You know, it's just, it's the greatest movie. Anybody seen Rocky IV? Tell me I'm not alone in this. Okay, guys, we're going to go home today and watch Rocky IV this week. Okay, I want to, it's a little bit of a history lesson, but I, I need to impart some of this to you. And, Man, the 80s were good times. And so, and so anyway, go home and watch Rocky IV. I want to play a clip from Rocky IV, and then he says a statement in there that I, I got I to gotta bring it out, and it's so strong. Take a moment and watch, watch this clip from Rocky IV. I'll be right back in a minute. Balboa is in serious trouble. They might have to stop this one before somebody gets killed. Richard Graven! Richard Graven! Rocky's hurt. He woke the sleeping giant and now he's picking up his right hand from Drago. Sends Rocky Balboa 15 feet across the ring. And the champ is down. fighting what appears to be an invincible opponent. He's also fighting a very hostile crowd and the Russian premier and most of the Politburo looking on. All right, what's happening out there? He's winning. I see three of them out there. Get the one in the middle. Right. Get the one in the middle. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, so he's fighting this just much bigger, much stronger guy, and he gets hit so hard, he gets hit so many times that he's sitting down, and Paulie, the guy next to him, and his coach is like, he's like, I see three of them out there. Pain has the ability to hit us so hard in life, it literally messes with our vision. It, it, it messes with how we see ourselves, how we see others, how we view God, how we view the future, how we view life. And, and I love Paul. He's like, just hit the one in the, in the middle. You got hit so hard and you're in so much pain, your vision's blurred. Try to, try to focus that thing and, and hit the one in the middle. And, and this morning, I want to talk about three things to remind yourself when you're in pain. So we're going to take the next 15, 20 minutes and talk about three things I want you to remind yourself when you're in pain. Because life is going to hit you. That is not a negative prophetic word this morning. It's going to happen, okay? And even God's chosen, anointed people go through pain. I want to just remind us this morning that Abraham felt the pain of not having a child for most of his life. That was painful. Life punched him there. Joseph felt the pain of rejection by his family, false accusation by his boss. Moses felt the pain of inadequacy. Joshua felt the pain of a defeat in battle. Gideon felt the pain of insignificance. Samson felt the pain of a sinful decision and the consequence of that. David felt the pain of slander, right, and with, with Saul. And so Jesus felt pain. Peter felt pain. Paul felt pain. You felt pain. You're going to go through pain. I wish I could protect everybody in our church, including my family, right, that, that pain will never happen, right? But, but the, the reality is somebody's going to talk bad about you. Somebody's not going to like you. I, I read recently in a psychological article that no matter who you are, what you look like, or what you believe, at least 10% of the people do not like you. That means in a crowd this size, at least three of you don't like me. Gosh, like I wish that wasn't true, but it's just... You're like, whatever, Pastor Matt, you're not funny, you know? I was like, thanks, okay. All right, so it's just, it is what it is. You're going to go through pain. Life is going to punch you. It's, it's going to try to jack up your vision. What can we remember as we go through pain? No, number one, if you're taking notes, and again, blessed are the note takers. They do inherit eternal life. Shift pain into praise. Probably the most important one. Shift pain into praise. If, if pain does not become praise in your soul, it turns into poison. It turns into poison. You have to turn pain into praise. Naomi gets to a point where she says, do not call me pleasant. Call me bitter. This is the world that I'm living in. It changed her name. You know, Job went through an incredible amount of pain as well. And in Job 13, 15, he says, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Wow. God, you can slay me, and I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to put my faith in you. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to just live abandoned to you. I'm going to keep my heart open to you. I'm going to worship you. You know, what's interesting to me between Job and Naomi is even though Job went through maybe even more than Naomi did, he never changed his name. Why? Because he turned his pain into praise. God, you could slay me, and I'm still going to show up to this thing and worship you and, and give you glory. Now, God is not trying to just hurt you. He, he's not evil. He's not trying to do evil to you. I think the Bible is very clear that, that God is a good, loving, heavenly father. But the reality is we live in a very nasty, sinful world with an enemy running around. 
I believe the enemy does come to steal, kill, and destroy. We live in a world with other sinful people. Some people are wonderful and nice and caring and supportive, and some people are straight nasty. And it's just the world we live in, right? And so, so we know we're going through this thing called life. And while God does not cause pain, I have to let you know that he allows pain. Nothing would ever go through the sovereignty of God, right, unless God allowed it. Which means that when you and I go through pain, that means that God has trusted you with this pain. He didn't cause it. I don't know if he necessarily wants it to happen. I don't think God wants people to hurt and kill each other. But he allows it. He allows people to make decisions and we affect each other. And so because he's allowed it, that means he's trusted me with this pain to go through. And as I go through pain, I remind myself, God, you said you'd never leave me or forsake me. You said that you'd walk with me through this whole thing. You, you said that you'd love me. And Domo, can you go ahead and bring my fruit out really quick? I want to give you guys a little illustration here. But as I go through this thing called life, life hits. Life is full of pressure. Life has moments where it is painful and it, and it squeezes. If, if you take these little grapes, right, and if I, if I squeeze this, what do you think is going to come out? Juice, right? Is it going to be orange juice or grape juice? Grape juice, right? Because it's a grape. So I squeeze and I get, I get grape juice. If I squeeze an orange, what's coming out? Apple juice or orange juice? Right, we, we all know this, right? So I, I squeeze and, oh man, I should, oh, whoa. Dan, I'm sorry about that, man. I think that got on the sub a little bit. And it's, it's juice, right? What is in someone when you squeeze them comes out of them. What comes out of you when you get squeezed? Is it toxic? Is, is it slander? Is it more accusation? Is it swearing or is it praise? What happens to you when you get punched and, and when you squeeze? I believe that God allows pain sometimes in our lives to develop us. And he's trying to bring all of his kids to the place that when I get squeezed, praise comes out. When I get punched, my worship releases because I'm turning my pain into praise. Am, am I there all the time? No. Am I a work in progress? Yes. Am I trying to get there? Absolutely. You know, the last few years for me, I've been in a season of just like every time I get hurt and I get punched, I'm like, go back to my prayer closet, and I'm like, Lord, you've entrusted me with this pain. You've allowed me to get punched yet again. And though you slay me, yet I will hope in you. Come on, right? I'm going to just worship my way through this pain. And if you don't turn your pain into praise, it's going to become poison. You're going to get bitter. You're going to start hating the people that punch you, even though you're called to love them. Woo. I'm going to stop meddling and just move on. What comes out of you when you get squeezed? Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. David knew I got to run to the presence of God and get filled with joy again. Life punches, it stings, but I, I got to find life in your presence. I've, I've got to get there. When you're disappointed, worship. When you're heartbroken, worship. When you're confused and you don't know where to go and where to turn, worship. You know, when you got haters on social media, worship. You know, Vanessa said last week, she goes, there's nothing worse than a hater with influence. Why is that so true? I was like, oh, dang it, that's the truth. Worship, worship. You know, you and I may not get the answer. But we are close to the answer. His name is Jesus when we're in the presence of God. What a beautiful thought. 
Let's be the kind of church that turns our pain into praise. Number two, number two. Assign purpose to the pain. This, this is going to get you through some rough times. Assign purpose to the pain. Give that pain an assignment and and a mission. See, Naomi, she's hurt so much, she changes her identity, she withdraws from community, and and, and she moves back, and she just kind of lives within her tent. Ruth, on the other hand, she goes through pain too. She loses her husband, but she gave her pain a mission. She's like, I am going to take care of Naomi. She's hurt, I'm hurt, but I'm going to attach myself to her. I'm going to attach myself to her country. I'm going to attach myself to her God. I'm giving myself a mission. So when they get back to Bethlehem, Ruth 2, 2 says this, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain left behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. I I love that. What she's saying, Naomi, I can't stay in this tent any longer. I can't cry anymore. You and I, we got to survive. I got to get out there and find some grain. You know, there is nothing harder in life then going through pain and then getting out of the tent trying to make something happen. You lose your job, now you got to make cold calls and get something going on. That is painful, right? you got to make something new happen. You're hurting. You, you, you lose a relationship. you got to sit back out there and open up your heart again. That is hard. That is painful. And she doesn't even know where the answer is coming from. She's like, I'm going to go out in the fields. We'll see where I find favor and who I find favor with. She has no idea where the answer's coming from. She doesn't know where the favor's coming from. She just knows I gotta get out of this tent and I gotta get out there and live my life because the food isn't in the tent, Naomi. It's out there and I gotta go for it. I wanna read this story to you. It makes my point so clear. It's a story from this psychological group and I love it. It's this lady that went through this really hard thing and came back. And I'm just gonna call her Karen today, not her real name. But she says this She goes, It's been exactly 10 years since my controlling, abusive ex-fiance sold my favorite guitar, which cost me almost $1,000 and took me ages to save up for. He sold it on the day I broke up with him. So just being petty, right? Took a shot. When I went to pick up my belongings, he was proud that he had sold it to a local pawn shop. Luckily, I managed to track down the guy who bought it from the pawn shop. The guy was really sweet and nice and gave it back to me for free on the condition that I join him on his front porch and play for an hour Uh, guitar with him. He grabbed a second guitar and we ended up sitting there on his porch for the rest of the afternoon playing music, talking, and laughing. He's been my husband now for almost nine years and we're happier now than ever before. What am I saying? I'm saying go get your guitar back. Go get your guitar back. Life is not found in the tent. And you're going to get punched. You're going to go through pain. But you got to go back out there and get the life. And you don't know who you're going to find favor with. You don't know where you're going to find favor. But it is out there. There's a field out there for you. Your guitar is out there for you. And if you've recently gone through a breakup, man, I believe you're going to meet Mrs. Wright or Mr. Wright at some point, And you're going to find him on a good hair day. Come on, somebody. Like, it's just, it's going to go well. There's favor somewhere out there. It's out there. Amen. I'm preaching better than you all reacting right now, but. Great people don't just overcome pain. They assign purpose to that pain. They give it a mission. I'm not talking about self-medicating right now. I'm not talking about rocking around with a chip on your shoulder, wearing your pain like a badge, acting like you're better than everybody else because you went through something. Look at your neighbor really quick. They went through something. They've gone through pain. They, they, They experienced something they didn't want to go through. Could you imagine if... 
if Ruth went out there and she's like, I am too good to pick up grain from somebody's field, right? Like, like I, who the heck are you, Boaz, to tell me that I can pick up grain in your field, whatever, right? She could have worn her pain like, like a chip on, on her shoulder. She could have worn it like a badge, but instead she remained humble. And she said, I don't know who and I don't know where, but I have, I have favor. I think so often, because if we're not careful, that pain, we can almost like kind of over-medicate it with a lot of pride. And we're like, you know what, I'm hurt, but we just wear that hurt. We just wear it like a coat, right? We just throw it over, over us and just, and then everybody that interacts with us, is, they just get the pain, right? Instead of getting our true identity and our true self, they get the pain, right? And if we're not careful, what happens is, is we bleed on people who never cut us. We bleed all over them. They're like, what's, what's, what's up? And they just, they're, getting, they're getting the pain, and we ruin the new things. But she stayed humble, right? And, and, and I love that because her humility really kind of opens up Boaz's heart, right? She has no idea that she's going to have so much favor. And Ruth, I love this. Ruth, guys, goes, she goes from gleaning in fields to marrying Boaz to owning the field to having the great-grandson, King David, who owns all the fields in the country. She's in the lineage of Christ. She's got a book after her own name. You got a book named after you? I don't. And she got that all from gleaning in a field, choosing to get up, going on after the pain. Sometimes when God gives us favor, it doesn't look like a lot in the moment. There's no way she could have perceived, I'll be in the lineage of Christ. I'm going to own all this stuff. God's going to honor me. She just knew life is found out there. I'm hurting right now. And someone, somewhere, I'm going to find favor. I'm going to just take a step of faith and go out. I, I don't know where you're locked up emotionally. I don't know where you're sitting in your tent emotionally right now. But I know that life isn't found in the tent. I know that wherever it's at for you, maybe your marriage, maybe your career, maybe your kids, whatever it is, you got to go out. you got to go out and you got to trust God that, God, there's favor out there. I'm going to take a step out into this thing. You know, can I just be honest with you? A couple of years ago, I did not feel like planning a church. I was in pain. Ernie will tell you that. I was in pain. But if I didn't step out, I wouldn't be looking at all your cute faces right now, changing lives, looking at Gary and Ashley, being like, look at their lives change. Like, man, I could tear up. I could, you can stay in the tent or you can go out in the field. Come on, somebody. Like, there's something out there for you. I love this by Charles Swindoll. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. This is an original. Let pain be the comma in your life, not the period. It's part of your story. It's not the end of your story. I thought that was good. <laughs> Number three, focus on the promise above the pain. Focus on the promise over the pain. Pain does talk. Um, I had a great week this last week. I, I went up north, rode motorcycles with my dad and my brother, and just had a blast. Absolutely had a blast. And uh, I was never a biker guy growing up, but I'm probably going to get a couple Harley tattoos now. I'm just really getting into it. And, and, um, and so on the way back, I, uh, you know, I had to fly out of Detroit. So it's like a three-and-a-half-hour car drive back to Detroit. And then I had to drop off the car, then Uber. And so I'm already sitting for a long time. And then, and then Spirit, man, they get me with that cheap ticket, man. It's just, I hate Spirit Airlines. I shouldn't say I hate them, but if you've ever flown Spirit, you probably get it. You can relate. And, and you're like, why don't I fly Southwest, you know? And then it's just, but it's so dang cheap. So, so I'm, I'm sitting on that seat, and like an hour and a half in, like my back is like in pain. 
you know, and I don't know what it is about airline seats, but it's like within five minutes, you're just like, why is this the most miserable experience? And, and so I'm in the middle seat because I chose not to pay extra money and whatever. So I'm already not happy. And, and so I'm, I'm in a lot of back pain. And for the next hour, my back is talking to me, right? Like it's talking to me, like it's in pain, it's hurting, it's, it's screaming at me. And, 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 and the only thing I could do to get myself through that moment is I'm like, we're eventually going to land. Like, we're eventually going to land. Like, eventually I get to walk off of this thing, take a hot shower, and lay down in my bed, and it's all going to be okay. The promise of landing was the only thing I could do to remind myself this is temporary. Can, can I remind a lot of you this morning that you're on a flight and the pain is temporary? And I don't know what season you're in. I don't, I don't know how bad or how long it's been, but it is temporary. All seasons change. Nothing lasts forever. And if you're in pain this morning, I I know it hurts and I know it's talking to you, but it's not going to last forever. All storms run out of rain. The pain is going to stop at some point. You're going to land. You're going to be okay. And the promise, though, check this out. Pain is seasonal. Promise is eternal. Because promise comes from the Word of God. And the Word of God in, in the Old Testament was talking about a kinsman redeemer. Ruth probably didn't even know about Old Testament law. She didn't even know about a kinsman redeemer. She had no idea God set something in motion. She had no idea God was going to use her pain and write a book. She had no idea she was going to give birth through her, through her lineage to King David, right? She has no idea. She has no idea Christ is coming one day. She has no idea. She just knows I'm in pain and I'm taking a step of faith. There's something about this God. I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it, right? That's it. There's this promise called the kinsman redeemer, and, it, and it's actually a legal term in the Hebrew. It's like, it's, it's a relative that when he sees another relative in trouble, he's got to act on their behalf to help them out. So Boaz realized, like, no, these, my family, they're in trouble. He marries Ruth. Everything turns around. Here's what I'm saying. Ruth is full of pain for three chapters, and it doesn't get good until the very end of the book in chapter four and the final few verses. I want to read it really quick as we wind down. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life, sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. I mean, when you get to the stage of grandma, I think all grandmas want to do is just hold their grandkids, right? So now she's, she's living the dream. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed, which I love the meaning of this name. It means servant or worship. Oh. He was the father of Jesse, the father of King David. This is why you can't compare your chapter 12 to somebody else's chapter 20, guys. You don't know when God is going to write the good verses in your life. We just know he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And your story might have started in pain. You might be in pain right now. You you might have might have been a couple years ago that rewrote your life and you still haven't fully recovered yet. We don't know when the good verses are going to come. But what I can tell you is like if you will sit there even though the pain is talking, you will remind yourself of God's word over your life. Let the Bible shout louder than what you're going through. What happens to believers is life and circumstances shout and they just stop and they just quit. Quitting is the worst thing you could ever do. Instead of quitting, why not get the Bible out 
And, you know, I, I've got about 12 verses that I read over myself every morning right now. And, and these verses, they're eternal. They're not based on whether I had a good day yesterday, a, a bad day, a good week, a, a bad week, whatever. It's just this is who I am in Christ. And, and I'm working on not being moved by what I see, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be moved by what I read. What's that eternal promise? What's going to anchor my soul as I go through this wild thing called, called life? Your story might have started bad, but I don't believe it's going to end that way. I really don't. I think we're called to go from glory to glory. I think God is moving and working in you. He's not done with your marriage this morning. He's not done with your career this morning. He's not done with your kids this morning. Maybe some of you, you've got kids and you're, you're not talking to them right now. He's not done. Can I just remind you, he's not done. He's still God. He's still big. He can still do what you think is so impossible. Could you imagine how, how, how Ruth and her perspective, being happy just is impossible right now? How Naomi's like, I've given up all hope of ever having a grandkid. I think sometimes God will do something behind your back when you least expect it. Thanks for listening to City Live Church's podcast. Subscribe now to get new episodes each and every week. If you live in or are ever in the South Florida area, come visit us on Sundays at Northeast High School in Oakland Park. You can also visit our website at citylift.church and keep updated with us on Instagram by following us at City Lift Church.